Well, hello, America. This is your host, Mark Dunnigan, and here we have another daily answer. So, pigs without steering wheels. You might be thinking, what is that? What is that talking about? All right. So, what I want to go is I want to go to the book of Luke, chapter 8, and start in verse 26. Then they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he came out onto the land, he was met by a man from the city who was possessed with demons and who had not put on any clothing for a long time. And he was not living in a house, but in the tombs, like in the cemetery. Seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before him and said in a loud voice, What business do we have with each other, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, I beg you, do not torment me. For he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man. For it had seized him many times, and he was bound with chains and shackles, and kept under guard, and yet he would break his bonds, be driven by the demon into the desert. All right. A couple things here. The demons know who Jesus is. Don't miss that. The demons do not come out and say, you're not the son of God. Hey, he's not the son of God, you guys. They don't try to pull that. Hey, how about this? The demons don't come along and say, there is no God. There is no judgment. There is no hell. Wow. If you're saying that, you're worse than demons. See, the demons believe in God, profess it. They believe in hell, the abyss torment that is they believe in an ongoing hell you ever you ever think about like man you got preachers out there oh there's no hell anymore or if it is it's really not suffering or maybe it only lasts for a little bit uh, as evil as the demons are they're not willing to teach that false doctrine the demons come along there is a god there is absolute truth there is right and wrong and Jesus is the Son of God, and he has all authority, and he has the ability to cast us into this abyss of torment forever. And in fact, that's where we're headed, eventually. They clearly admit all of that. They don't deny it. And in fact, in the book of James, it says, the demons believe that God is one. Hey, be careful about strutting up and say, well, I believe in God. Well, yes, so do the demons. Yeah, kudos on that one. That's not enough. The demons believe in God and they tremble. They take God, well, on a certain level, take God very seriously. They don't believe in God. Oh, it's not like, yeah, we believe in God and we're up to no good, but God just this nice old uncle and grandfather and going to pat us on the head and say, oh, you cute little demons. No, they tremble. If you believe in God and you don't tremble, then at least the, the, the demons are a step ahead of you on that one. Faith in God should move us to view God with tremendous reverence and respect. And here's the thing that demons do not do. They don't obey him, but they do tremble, which means that you can believe in God and that thought of God can make you nervous and keep up at night and make you tremble. And you can still not bow the knee to Jesus Christ. Not a, it's not enough to take God seriously. 
That taking God seriously has to translate into obedience or it means nothing. And Jesus made that clear in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not enough to say, Lord, 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 Lord. Nope. Depart from me, ye who work iniquity. So that's the first thing. Notice also that they don't call on the devil for help. I mean, they're the underlings of the devil. And yet this demon, as he confronts Jesus, does not say, Satan, help me now. You know, and Satan does not show up. Have you ever noticed in all these cases where Jesus cast out demons that Satan is not present? It's not that Satan comes and says, da, 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 here I am to save the day. He's absent. Not only that, they don't even ask for help from him because I think the realization is he cannot help them when you're up against Jesus. Man, be smart enough to realize what can't help you when you what can't help you when you've made yourself an enemy of Jesus. If right now, if you're bought into some worldview and some author in Europe a hundred years ago or so, or France, or some modern author, a poet, a musician, at the judgment day, they're not gonna be going like, hey, hey, it's okay, God. You and me, it's okay. You can let him in. <laughs> They're under condemnation just like you are. Okay. Notice also that I know, I know that there are people that can have um, seizures and things like that. There, there are people that can be crazy and it's pretty hard to restrain them. But you can. You can put them in a straitjacket. When you're demon possessed, they couldn't restrain him at all. They would even shackle him. That's a level beyond the straitjacket. And he would bust them. I mean, we don't see things like that happening today, okay? Because you know, people say, well, there's demon possession out there, etc." Uh, read the Bible again, and you'll find out what real demon possession looks like and what it is. Jesus says in verse 30, what is your name? What's your, you know, what's your identity? Who are you? And he said, legion. We are many, you know, many demons had entered him. They were employing, they, all these demons were employing him not to command them to go away into the abyss. Eternity in the abyss frightens demons. Keep that in mind, okay? Because first of all, the devil's, not, the hell is not the devil's headquarters, okay? <laughs> Too many people kind of think that's not his HQ. It's not that, yeah, I run hell. The devil doesn't run hell. The devil is will be a prisoner there along with all the disobedient, along with all the demons. And heads up, these demons, legion, they're many, fear that place. If they fear it, we need to fear it too and take it seriously. And Jesus took it seriously. I mean, Jesus, Jesus talked about hell more than anybody else, particularly as a place of ongoing suffering, ongoing punishment. And I'm just, I'm scratching my head over people out there that profess to be Christians and say, well, there's not a hell or it's not ongoing punishment or it's just figurative or whatever. Like, what are you reading? Who are you listening to? It, it, are you trying to be popular? In the book of Matthew chapter five, Jesus said in verse 
29. If your right eye makes you stumble, okay, something that, that precious. I mean, my right eye is pretty precious to me. I don't want to. But if that causes you to stumble, entices you to sin, or leads you in the sin, tear it out. Tear it out is very brutal without mercy. Cast it from you. Get away from it. Don't put it in a jar and don't put it under your pillow. For it is better for you to lose one of the parts of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Ooh, but I can't live without it. You, you need to learn to. You need to learn to live without it. Because that's going to bring you down. Uh, just keep that in mind. If you're involved in sin and you're going like, man, but if I gave that up, I don't know if I'd be happy. How, how could I be happy? Or if you're tempted to say, God, if I gave that up, I'd, I'd just rather die. And Jesus says, well, if you don't give it up, you're not going to die. That is, you're not going to cease to exist. You're going to be suffering in torment forever because of that. Ponder that, okay? Is it worth it? Is it worth ending up in a place where there is no one to love and no one loves you in return forever? No one cares about you. A place of no mercy, not the least bit of mercy or compassion, no light, no love, no hope, no happiness, none of that. All those things are connected with God. Absolute dumb misery and suffering, pointless misery and suffering that never ends. Is that worth it? Well, God couldn't. Uh, who are you? Who are? Who am I? Who am I? to determine what God or could God could or could not do. I'm not God. I'm limited, fallible, finite. Let, let, let God tell you what he's going to do and then accept that. Okay? But don't just come to this with your feelings or emotions and say, well, I, you know, I can't, I, um, I don't know about that. You're not qualified to make those decisions. You're not qualified to declare how bad sin is or what what suffering it determines. Your opinion was not asked. Sorry, neither was mine. Okay. But you go a little bit farther in the account that we're in, in Luke chapter 8, where Jesus encounters legion. And we read a few more passages. Now, there was a herd of many swine feeding there on the mountain, and the demons implored him to permit them to enter the swine, and he gave them permission. And the demons came out of the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and was drowned. Now, I know there are some commentators that argue that the demons knew what was going to happen, and they deliberately did this. Um to make Jesus look bad, to try to undermine his influence and credibility. Uh, <laughs> I'm not buying that because I believe they're truly terrified of the abyss. And when the swine die, they go into the abyss. I think this is a great example of where, well, we know the devil's not omniscient. He's not all-knowing. Only God is. But the demons are not all-knowing either. There was something different about being in a man and versus being in a swine. Because a man has a soul, has a spirit in there. There's something different about that. 
Yeah, the guy might be your demon possession. You're running around naked as a jaybird. Okay. But, okay, you're still alive. You're still alive. Something, there's a little bit of self-preservation there going on that you can work with. There's, there's a little steering wheel in a man, but there are no steering wheels in pigs. You know, you ever go on one of those fair rides when you were a kid? It would be a boat, a little plane, in the kitty one, in the kitty part of the fair, okay? Pretty safe little rides, little cars, little planes. They're not very high off the ground, okay? And often they all have a steering wheel, okay? But the thing about that steering wheel is it doesn't work. You can turn it round and round and round and round and round and <laughs> it doesn't alter the course of that little fire truck and little choo-choo train or little plane at all or little helicopter. But when you're a little kid, you just turn it round and round and round. That's the way the pigs were. They had no steering wheels. Or if they did, it just went round and round and round and round. And wow. Now, heads up, heads up. Okay. When the herdsmen saw what had happened, they ran away and reported it in the city and out in the country. So there were guys watching these pigs when the pigs went crazy. The people went out to see what had happened and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone out sitting down at the feet of Jesus clothed and in his right mind. See, the miracles of Jesus are instant. It didn't take years for the guy to get it together. He is there now. The demons are out. He's in his right mind. He's clothed. He's sensible. Okay. He's sane. And he's at the fit of Jesus. He's appreciative. He's grateful. All right. And they became frightened. Okay, I, I can understand a little bit. I mean, when you encounter the miraculous, hey, Lazarus coming out of the tomb, yeah, that that, that will put a fright in you. All right. I mean, you're 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 there dealing with the other world. You're dealing with powers far beyond your comprehension or your ability. Yeah, there's something there that should just strike awe in a person. But I don't think it was that type of fear as we read a little bit further. Those who had seen it reported to them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well. See, there were eyewitnesses. The mi miracles all had eyewitnesses. They said, here's exactly what happened. We saw it. We were there. And all the people of the country of the Gesserines and the surrounding region asked him to leave them. Hello? What? Leave? He here is a man who can cast out demons. Here is a man that can take the incurable and cure them. Wouldn't you want to have him around? Hey, we got other people that we want you to help. We got friends and neighbors and relatives. Can you help them too, Jesus? No. He asked them, to, they asked them to leave. We don't want you around here. You spook us. You make us uncomfortable. For they were gripped with great fear. And he got into the boat and returned. People asked Jesus to leave, and guess what he did? He left. It's not going to stick around. 
He's not going to stick around and continually implore people like, hey, you know, I could really help you here, etc. I got eternal life. He walked away. He will do that. If I'm foolish enough to say, oh, you make me uncomfortable, I want, don't want you in my life. Here's the man sitting in his right mind, and there's no joy or rejoicing like, isn't this wonderful? Isn't this great? Rather, it's, this is scary. Could you leave because you're scaring us? What type, what type, of, what type of response do you have to the Bible? When someone the Bible shows up, a Christian, and they're studying the Bible or praying at dinner. Are you going, ooh, need to get out of here? You know, making me a little uncomfortable. Or are you drawn to it? Wish more people were doing that. What are you reading? What are you studying? What truth are you learning? Which one of those are you? But the man from whom the demons had gone out was begging him, begging him, please, Jesus, that he might accompany him. And he sent him away, saying, Return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you. Here's a man who said, I just want to go with you and follow you. Wow. There, there, there are people like the rich young ruler who opted out of that. No, not interested. But, this, but Jesus says, no, you, you, here's what you need to do, and it's really important. I want you to go back to your hometown. And man, that would be hard because they had seen you run around naked, naked as a jaybird, okay? And crying out, living in the tombs, okay? And I know it's not your fault, but you really want to go back there where you really created a stir. But he says, I want you to go back there and I want you to tell people what God did for you. Because that man will be a continual reminder in that area of the power and reality of God. And that Jesus is the son of God. And the people need to come to terms with that. And they need to see that. So he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. He obeyed. What great things has God done for you? Or are you getting in the way? Are there great things that God could do for you? And you're preventing it. Because you're not bowing the knee to Jesus. This is Mark Dunnigan for The Daily Answer. Until next time, see you in the funny papers.